in the fourth Sunday of Advent, we have been looking at the unexpected Christmas stories, looking in some unexpected places for what God has to tell us about Christmas. Um, let me just start by giving you a little bit of an idea of where we're going to be heading in uh, the next couple weeks and in the new year. Uh, next Sunday, John Brenneman is going to be preaching, and so uh, we look forward to what John has to, to come and to, to bring, with a, bring to us next Sunday. And then in January, we are going to start off the new year uh, looking at Scripture together. We're going to start this series called Chronicles of the Kings, and we'll be reading through the book or books of First and Second Chronicles. In, in the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles is originally one book, so uh, it's now split up into these two books, but we'll be reading through this. Uh, there's a reading schedule in the newsletter. There is also a reading schedule, and there will be other resources on our uh, church website on our blog, that's springcreekcob.org, so if you're interested in engaging that way or checking for further resources for your own study, you can be checking there. Uh, so it's a great way for us to start 2019 reading scripture together. Uh, I do have in the newsletter that you got to get through the hard part of Chronicles at the very beginning. It starts with nine chapters of genealogy. And that's like the worst part. So just put your head down and get through it and don't get bogged down on names. And if you don't know how to pronounce names correctly, just substitute a name and keep on moving. Uh, so we will be preaching from that part. There are some uh, really interesting things that uh, the person that writes Chronicles um, lets us know, gives us kind of an overview of where he's going even in the midst of all these names. Uh, so we'll be taking a look at that. As we come this morning, would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to worship together. I pray that you would continue to speak through us, uh, speak to us, through this time that we are celebrating your coming, your entering our lives. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Would you speak through me or despite me this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. The praise team helped read from Luke and Matthew this morning. These are very familiar, very expected passages on Christmas Sunday. We wouldn't expect to hear from anywhere else, really. Um, last week we, or in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about John. We looked at John chapter 1. We looked at Revelation 12. We looked at Galatians 4. All of these are a little bit unfamiliar to us as far as Christmas passages, but tell us something deep about what is happening when Jesus comes as this baby born in a manger. John in, in John chapter 1 is telling us that, God, that Jesus is showing us what God in the flesh looks like, revealing to us the character of God. In Revelation 12, uh, we looked at the cosmic, the big picture realities of Jesus being born in a manger and how Satan was just waiting to destroy this child and, and later to destroy this man, this Messiah. But Satan misses his opportunity and God rescues 
Jesus, and Jesus comes to be the king of all nations. And in Galatians 4, we talked about how Jesus, this son, comes to redeem us, to restore us, allow us to have the right to be called sons and daughters of God. But now we are looking at our nativity scene. We take a look at our basic nativity scene that's up here, manger scene, the crash, whatever you want to call it. This is totally expected for us, but I want to look this morning at the unexpected guests in the nativity scene. The tradition of a nativity scene may have started with St. Francis of Assisi, this guy back in the Middle Ages who took a pilgrimage to the Holy Lands, went around Jerusalem, and he came back to Italy, and he wanted to encourage people to focus on Jesus and to focus on the birth of Jesus. And so he started encouraging people to have these nativity scenes in in the church and in their homes just as a, a visual reminder of the story of Jesus' birth. Now, of course, our picture up here is a composite of Matthew and Luke. Um, Within those Bible stories, we never actually see shepherds and wise men together. These are kind of a combination of Matthew and Luke. Uh, In the scriptures, there's no mention of what kind of animals were there. We assume maybe there were some sheep because the shepherds were there. Uh, Often we have this tradition of Mary riding a donkey, although the donkey doesn't appear in Scripture. Some people think actually the donkey would have made the trip a lot slower from Nazareth to Bethlehem because donkeys don't always do what you want them to do. They go at their own pace, and uh, some people think, you know, it would have been a lot quicker for them just to walk. It's also possible that our idea of an inn, we often put the innkeeper, he's a part of the nativity scene somehow, although there's no innkeeper in Scripture. Uh, It's possible that our view of what an inn is historically inaccurate, but that's a conversation for another time. Luke tells us about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem and baby Jesus being wrapped in cloth and laid in a manger. Luke tells us about angels appearing to shepherds and then the shepherds coming and finding the baby just as the angels had said. Matthew, uh, he highlights for us the wise men or the, the magi that come to find Jesus. Both Matthew and Luke talk about the virgin birth. But I want to take a, a look this morning at these characters that are here a part of the story. First of all, we have the magi, or we often sing, we three kings, although we don't know if they were actually royalty of any kind. Uh, the NRSV translates the word as wise men. Our word magi is probably more, uh, is closer to the Greek word for these wise men. Who were these magi, these wise men? Possibly they were astrologers or priestly holy men from Arabia or Mesopotamia. We assume that they are Gentiles, that they are not Jews, although the text doesn't say that specifically. These wise men are the first to refer to Jesus as the king of the Jews, which they come and ask Herod, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Um, Little tip, don't go to the reigning king 
and ask them where the real king is. It doesn't usually work out well. Understandably, Herod is a little ticked, and he searches out for any competitors, and he ends up slaughtering uh, all the male babies two years and under. We usually picture these three wise men because they bring three gifts, although we aren't told how many actually come. I think in some traditions they even get names, and I think that comes from, what, what does that come from? I'm not sure. There's some play or musical or something that names the, the wise men, and that's kind of carried over into our tradition sometimes. It appears in Matthew that these wise men get to the scene a bit late. They, are, they come to a house to meet the child, Jesus, but Herod decides to kill all the babies two years and under based on the information that he receives from the wise men. These wise men do, though, find their way to baby Jesus. They bring their gifts and they pay homage to the king. But these wise men, they are wealthy, they are pagan, and they're foreigners. They are Gentile astrologers, and they are not exactly the kind of people we might expect at the birth of a Jewish Messiah. But then we come to the shepherds. Luke introduces us to the shepherds out doing their thing when the, the angels show up and they tell them about the birth of Jesus. And then a, a host or a flock or a, a multitude, whatever the word for a group of angels is, shows up and they are singing or actually... Scripture just says that they say. It says, well, some, some say say and some say sing. Um, I'm sure David would prefer us singing those phrases. These shepherds go off and find baby Jesus. But their night's not done. They then turn into evangelists, going and telling others about what they've found, about what they've experienced. But you know, these shepherds are a little peculiar. Herding sheep for long periods of time puts you out of touch with civilization. These were probably not the owners of the sheep. These are probably poor farmhands out doing the dirty work. They are not educated because they have no better job than staying with the sheep. They probably are smelly, dirty. They probably smell like dirty, wet sheep. They bring no gifts that we take note of. These are poor, uneducated sheep herders. These aren't the people that you might expect at the birth of a king. But in the middle of our manger scene, we have Joseph and Mary. Joseph is a tradesman. Uh, we call him a, a carpenter. For that time period, he may be more like a general contractor doing odd jobs around town for different people. He had a trade, but he's not overly educated. We learn that Joseph has some serious questions about the truthfulness of Mary's story about an angel coming and telling her that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Can we imagine why he maybe has some questions about this story that he gets from his fiancée? Joseph then becomes an immigrant, forced to leave his home in Nazareth and walk 80 miles to Bethlehem so that the Roman Empire can count heads. 
Joseph is a reluctant immigrant stepfather who doesn't have reservations at the inn in Bethlehem when he shows up. And then when his stepson is born, he has nowhere to lay him but a feed trough. This might not be who you would expect God to choose to be a guardian for his son. And then we come to Mary. Mary is probably poor, unwed, teenage girl traveling around with her probably much older live-in fiancé, certainly not a proper Jewish thing to be doing. Mary might not be the kind of woman we might expect to give birth to God in the flesh. But as I look at this nativity scene, I wonder who is the unexpected guest. Because here in the midst of this band of misfits with wealthy pagan astrologers gazing at the stars and poor outcast sheep herders come right out of the field and a couple of refugees, uneducated, unwed, which one of them is the unexpected guest? When I started writing this sermon, thinking about the unexpected guests, I was sure that the unexpected guests were the wise men, the shepherds, and even Mary and Joseph. But as I started thinking about this, and actually I was in the shower this week doing some thinking about the sermon. I don't know where your place that you go to do your best thinking is at. Well, mine was in the shower this week. And I was thinking about who is the unexpected guest. And I started to wonder if the unexpected guest is actually the baby in the manger who is the Word of God come to show us what God in the flesh looks like. The baby who is born of a woman, born to rule nations and conquer dragons. And the Son of God comes so that we all might be sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. See, if you look at this nativity set, this is a messed up group of people with a lot of baggage. These wise men, well, let's be honest, that's questionable how wise they are after they've gone to Herod and blabbed. Of course, they get it on the right on the way home. They don't go back to Herod. There's these shepherds who aren't the cream of the crop. They probably stank bad. And these two in the middle, Mary and Joseph, if we were good Jews, we would have some serious questions about their morality, their promiscuity, their sanity. I mean, these people have heard from angels, and she's giving birth to the Son of God. We might have some serious questions if someone came and reported that to us. But this is a slice of humanity, baggage and all. Now, I, I think the unexpected guest is the baby, Jesus, who enters into the mess surrounded by misfits, and Jesus grows up, and who does he select for his disciples? But a whole bunch of misfits. I mean, they're, they're fishermen out, uneducated. Uh, they're tax collectors that nobody likes. There's political revolutionaries. There's people that will betray him. There's people that will doubt him. And he takes in this ragtag group of misfits. Jesus comes as God in the flesh. 
Jesus comes as the ruler of all nations, and he comes to redeem those who were slaves in order that we might be sons and daughters. But Jesus does it in a completely unexpected way. He comes as a baby in a manger. And then as Jesus is ministering, he takes a towel at one point. And he, the teacher, the leader, the Lord, bends over and washes his disciples' feet. And then completely unexpected, Jesus becomes a savior who dies for the enemies of God rather than killing the enemies of God. That's what kind of king Jesus becomes. So at Christmas, I wonder what does it mean for us to be conformed or to be formed into the likeness of Christ who becomes a baby, who washes feet and dies for the redemption of others? What does it mean for followers of Jesus to enter into the lives of others as unexpected guests? See, Jesus enters into the mess amidst those who have questionable morality, the poor, the ostracized, those who don't share the same beliefs that he does. Jesus stoops to serve the doubter, the betrayer. He heals the wounded persecutor. And ultimately, Jesus gives up his own life so that others might be redeemed. I wonder if we're able to enter into the mess of others. Or are we too concerned about our own morality might get questioned? Are we too concerned about having conversations with those who don't believe like we do? I wonder if we're willing to serve people even if it makes us unclean. I mean, Jesus has Gentile wise men with him. He's got dirty shepherds with him. Are we willing to serve people even if we might get betrayed or taken advantage of? Are we willing to give up our rights, our freedom, our safety, our security for the benefit of others? At Spring Creek, we often talk about inviting people in, inviting people in, inviting people in. But here, Jesus becomes a guest. He goes, he leaves his heavenly throne, and he becomes a guest. He goes in among those who are very different. During this Christmas season, I imagine you'll be visiting with family and friends. You will either be an expected guest or you will host expected guests. But I think one thing that we learn from the unexpected guest in the middle of this nativity scene is the power of entering in as an unexpected guest. Entering into the lives with those of different economics than we have. Entering into the lives of those that believe differently. And as we enter in with these folks, it's not for five minutes hoping that five minutes is suddenly going to change these lives forever. See, Jesus enters as a baby. And probably for the, what, the first, how long does it take a baby to start talking? year, nine months to a year, 
for that first amount of time of Jesus' ministry, he doesn't say anything. He can't. For 30 years, Jesus is building relationships with people, learning, growing, before he embarks on this ministry of teaching and healing. See, this Christmas season or in the new year, who are those people that we might be able to enter into the lives of as guests? As I've gotten to know some of my neighbors or other uh, parents around Jameson's school or Garrett's school or around uh, baseball. I don't usually lead with, hi, I'm Pastor Adam from Spring Creek Church. Brother, where do you go to church? <laughs> I usually try and hold that conversation off about occupation a little while so they can see that I'm a real person. They can see I've got struggles and I don't have it all together and my kids are messing up the same as your kids. And then as we build relationship, then we can start to have some deeper conversations. Then we can start to talk about our struggles and, and our faith and, and where we're at. Of course, with me, it doesn't take too long to get to the occupation question. And I say, well, I, I'm a pastor and I hope they don't shut me off right away. I hope in that time that we've gotten to know each other that I gain some ability to continue to speak with them, to be with them. I think that's what I'm learning from this unexpected guest in the middle of our nativity scenes, is that Jesus comes and he enters as a guest among those that are very different the rich, the poor, the good Jewish people, the pagans. And Jesus begins to minister to their lives. I hope that's what we're a part of in this new year. I hope that's what, as we come to this Christmas season, as you're visiting with those that you expect, think about those that are very different, those that are unexpected. And may you enter as a guest into their lives. Amen.